0: Have you ever heard the term reading your group and wondered what exactly it means and how to actually do it? You've probably maybe heard it in this very podcast. So this episode is going to focus on reading your group. My name is Phil and musical intro. So I'm here with Lisa Hunt, another trainer. This one's coming from Meg Bolger. Meg sent in lots of questions. So I've been taking these episode at a time. How do you teach a new facilitator to read your group? Do you have a strategy or anything that you talk to them about, about how you would teach a new facilitator to be able to read a group?
1: I mean, I think any question that we've had from Meg, I'm always like, I'd love to hear Meg's take on this Mm -hmm. too. I mean, the first thing that came to mind in terms of how I teach is talking about progression and what are the activities? And there's a whole episode about this, right? Like what are the activities that can help us determine what's a logical next step? So I think that is related to the topic of reading a group. Like what are the activities that allow me to learn about their energy their willingness to contribute that kind of thing so it's activity selection and sequencing i think are two areas that i would use to address that
0: the best advice would be to listen more and pay attention more and i also i feel like i'm pretty good at being able to especially when like um school-based groups come there they have maybe a teacher present and then i talk to the teacher maybe a couple hours in and i'm bringing up stuff and they're like, wow, you yeah. really see that? I think that some of it comes from just watching the group. I know that's something that we do a lot with youth programmers that come to us is we don't, as soon as they come off the bus, like corral them really quick. We just interact right. with them as they come off the bus and we talk to them. And I think that the same thing probably applies to trainings is I enjoy just talking to people as they arrive. Pretty much then I'm already sort of making and making some assumptions Sometimes they're not correct, but like about where the group is at and what they need in that moment. And I think that then even through the trainings, the learning the skills and knowing w- where to push people and is just just observing like how many times did that person over there actually practice that not will normally tell me how good they are at that knot. not like if I want to take it in a technical sense. But
1: yeah, and it reminds me of like, okay, so why do we need to read our groups? Like what's the function of that? Right. And I think for me, it's primarily so as a facilitator, I can have information that will help me confirm or change my plan for what's next. It's also about safety, you know, inclusiveness, like those things are really important together. So it's like if we break down what's the function, I think that it really for me, it does confirm its activity design and the other piece that is a very little thing, but I think it's important. I like to do activities when the group is new to me um, here and there that give me the chance to step back and not have to have an active role. Like, so I can, you know, observe a little bit or make it, make a change. So I think this, how do I design in space for me to then act on what, my reading of the group has taught me and not be locked into, oh, okay, this is next. This is next. Like, how do you create
0: space? I try to think back to when I started. I think that's so hard to, I, when I used to write an agenda, I didn't like open space. I even actually experienced that very recently mm-hmm. with the group that I worked with last week in that I was a little ahead of my time about where we thought we would get to. And I, I now don't plan as much because I sometimes things take long. But in this instance, I kind of had to scrap stuff and make move on the fly. And I actually found myself a little challenged by like, what do I fill this time with right now? Like, So what I ended up having to do, and this was helping me, is I just said to the group like, okay, we're going to go to a new location. And I used the walk to the new location to figure out what I was going to do because yeah. I could not – otherwise I'd have sat there like yeah. –
1: What do I do in those
0: moments? And ended up just playing a random guy. I think I played camouflage um, because I just was like, I needed some activity that was going to be quickly engaging. Give me some time, refocus the group a little bit. And I found that was enjoyable. But I, yeah, I think it might be challenging, especially if you're new to consider giving yourself space and time to be able to adapt and change and not keep to the same. I'll be honest. It was a program that I worked very early on at High Five where I had an agenda, I had the plan, I kept to the plan, I thought everything went well, the group didn't like it, and I didn't didn't get the greatest feedback. And I think that, from my perspective, it was my lack of flexibility, because I was Mm. nervous, and I was like, but yet, yeah, I think everyone's going to go through moments like that, where you just don't know... I think it's a masterful facilitator. The ones, the times that I've seen some other facilitators masterfully facilitate, is I never knew that they had changed their agenda. I never mm. knew that they were changing and adapting. And if I look at their agenda and what they did, it was way different. And but they did it so seamlessly because they were really paying attention and had backups to backups, or at least had alternative ways they could go. For me, when I'm doing a training, I sort of sometimes because I know that content really well. I know what I would change in the moment. And so it doesn't come across as being this like yeah. quick change and diversion of what was. And so that would seem seamless. I don't think I'm there when it comes to facilitation of a program, mm-hmm. especially I'm good at it. But my I think my weaker area would be working with some younger p- populations. I've just found myself more stressful. So the flexibility of changing, I don't feel as comes as easier to me as it does to other people. But
1: yeah. I, I understand that. And I think it, it is different depending on what the program goals are. I think, you know, you, you talk about having your like golden first activities that, you know, work. I think for me, one of the strategies within that is like, what's an activity that I can do that I feel very comfortable with that I also know doesn't usually generate a ton of questions and the, and the group can kind of do so I can just breathe for a second and just think. So maybe it's a partner activity. Maybe it's something with Ubuntu cards, maybe it's knee tag, but I can just sort of stand back and go, okay, do I have to make any corrections? And then it's a little bit like a Goldilocks principle, like how important is it or how unimportant is reading the group? Because I think sometimes we put so much emphasis on reading the group. But, you know, could I really think of an example of like, Okay, I saw this and it was so completely different than I thought that I had to completely scrap everything. I think that's kind of rare. I think it's more like little tweaks, like, oh, I thought these really high energy things would be great, but they're not really flying so well. So I'm just gonna tone it down. I think for a newer practitioner, I think that there are other things that come before the skills of reading a group. You know, it's sort of trusting yourself have having enough activity types that you can try different things. And then the other piece, and this, we mentioned this somewhere else too, is with most groups, you can just say, Hey, this is what I'm reading. Am I, am I seeing this right? And a lot of times they'll take like, yeah, yeah, you're right. We're all tired. Like, okay, good. Thanks for the confirmation. You know?
0: So myself and Lisa are doing a pre-conference for ACCT, mm-hmm. and it's called A Critical Look on Core Concepts. I'm yeah. just going to read the little description of this because I just think mm-hmm. this is applicable. But also, if this episode comes out prior to that, this may be a good plug. But what are things that you were formally taught that you later questioned Without time that is set aside for reflection on concepts that impact our programs in significant ways, it's natural for the critical eye to get blurry. We will take a deep dive into concepts such as choice, norm, sequencing and facilitation and share our own reservations about some of these cornerstones. As we're discussing this, that maybe reading your group is one of those things that gets put out there that you need to be able to do well for the program to be successful. And if you don't do that, then the program isn't as successful. You maybe you aren't as good, but it's gonna, it's gonna be a skill that's gonna come from time and experience. So, what is the expectation? Every single one of your programs leading up to the mastery of reading your group is terrible. I look back on many programs that I did in my early facilitation that people had been aw- been like, oh, that was awesome, and I kept to my agenda and I did no reading of the group. I did know like anything other than this is what I do with this group and I'm just going to do it and it's working or it's not. There wasn't any of that. And maybe there's some elitism to the concept that being able to read your group is great facilitation. And if you don't do it, then the facilitation isn't good. And how do we ever live up to that expectation of in order for the program to be successful, did you read your group well? And if, if you didn't, is it bad? I, Yeah. I don't know. It's too much. It's it's a high pedestal, high, high expectation.
1: It is. And the last thing I think I'll say on this is that, well, first of all, that workshop description is masterfully written. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that, you know, again, this is such a thoughtful question. I think that, in terms of being a challenge course practitioner, for example, that's the type of facilitators you and I are, I'm gonna come with certain skills just based on my personality. And then I have to be taught things like how to tie this knot, how to belay all that stuff. I think that we should not discount the skills and people reading that most people just have anyway. Like it's it's not like, unless I specifically teach you this thing, you're not gonna get it. I think you have to assume that there's some awareness and then build on that. You know, I, I always hesitate to give messages to facilitators. Like, unless you specifically are taught this and you're, you don't have it, I think a lot of times these things can be more intuitive than we think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In conclusion, I would say that there are strategies that work that can help teach for, teach you to read your group. But reading, being able to read your group shouldn't be the thing that you're aiming and aspiring to that's going to make your program good. There are activities that can help you spend the time, mm-hmm. but... It's a good skill to have. You don't need to be every single group that you ever work with is going to be super unique and different. It's going to be unique and different just because the people are different and your gender could be the identical for every group and still have different outcomes. So right. your ability to have to work on the fly and be reactive, which could cause you a lot of stress early on, isn't isn't as necessary until you get really good at the content and the content can be ignored and then you layer on top of the content, now I'm going to be paying more attention. Yes, The idea that you're going to be paying attention and crafting an agenda and the activities are new to you and you're also doing that, too much.
1: Yes, and now this is my real last point. I think we always have to be careful too when we say reading the group a group is made up of many individuals, and are we reading the group based on the person with the most physical presence, the most words? You know, like how, like what's the, how are we really getting that data and treating it as a group thing, or maybe just to, like the people who who we see the most? Okay, yeah. that's it.
0: If you have any thoughts on this topic and you would like to share them with us, you can do so either through Instagram at Vertical Playpen. Or, if you're not on Instagram, then emailing us at podcast at highfiveadventure.org. That's podcast at H-I-G-H, the number five, adventure.org. Love to connect. Love to talk about this subject and more with you. So feel free to connect. Thanks for listening
1: to Vertical pay
0: and then what about, thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast. Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for
1: giving. I'm a good papa, guys. <laughs>